Hello and welcome to a new episode of SIS Masters Podcast. I'm Arnaud Rijard, founder of Sports Innovation Society, and I interview for you some of the best experts in the sports industry. Today, I welcome Miguel Naranjo, lead at the United Nations for the Climate Neutral Now program. What a topic today, sustainability and renewable energies, a real challenge for sports stakeholders, both to stay in the game and make a positive impact. Miguel, great speaking with you today at SIS Masters Podcast. How do you feel today? Very well, thank you. And thanks for the invite to join you. Oh, no, that's, that's a pleasure. We're going to be, speak about something important today we're not used to speak too much about, which is climate change and how important it is uh, for sports stakeholders uh, to take actions because that can make a difference. But first, let's go to you to understand a bit of your story. You're Mexican. You make your way to the United Nations, and you now lead the program called Climate Neutral Now. You're based in Bonn, Germany, so that's quite a journey. Tell us about your journey. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I actually have two citizenships, Mexico and Costa Rica. Okay. Uh, I was born in Mexico. I grew up in, in Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, while uh, my first job in a cement production company in Costa Rica, the person who was in charge of environment, environmental issues, left. And I was asked to temporarily take over, which of course means, you know, I took uh, indefinitely over. Uh, and at the time, climate change was starting to become a thing, especially for this company, because they were regulated in Europe for their greenhouse gas emissions. And they were looking for ways to generate carbon credits that they could use in, in, uh, in Europe. And these carbon credits needed to come from developing nations like Costa Rica. So they started a project to reduce emissions and generate credits. And I was the, uh, the coordinator for that project locally. So that's how I got involved initially in environment and in climate. And then a couple of years later, uh, I applied to a position in the United Nations Environment Program or UN Environment in Panama. And, uh, and that's how I got started in, in the UN. A, few, a couple of years after that, I moved to, to Germany, uh, where the Climate Change Secretariat is, is based, where we have our offices. So that's how I made it all the way to Germany. <laughs> so you went from a classic corporate uh, career to falling in love with the environment Uh, environmental issues in some ways. But what, when we speak about the climate change challenge, what does it mean exactly? Because everyone hears many things, but what is the official speech? What is the real challenge that has to be solved? Hmm. Uh, so maybe two-part answer to that question. On the one hand, uh, what is it that we are trying to achieve is to achieve a society that is sustainable and that is not going to auto-destruct. It's as simple as that. The way we are behaving today, as the Secretary General of the UN said a few days ago, it's collective suicide. We are, we are leading our society towards collapse, our global society. So what we want to do is to avoid the total collapse of our global society and ensure that it continues to be successful, thriving, into the future. That's what sustainable means. What do we need to get there? What do we need to achieve that? Well, we need to transform completely the way we manage most of the things in our society 
from generation of energy. Energy is the most important thing that we have, right? All the well-being that we have today is because we have abundant energy. So we have to transform all our energy to clean sources, to sustainable sources. So we need to stop using coal, oil, gas, and move completely into solar, wind, uh, sustainable hydro, and others. And this is one of the key things. The other one is we need to restore our ecosystems. And without a healthy ecosystems, our society will not be able to survive either because we will lose biodiversity, we will lose the life that uh, makes our own life possible. So we need to protect and restore the ecosystems that we have been uh, destroying. And finally, we need to build a circular society, a circular economy. We need to forget the word uh, trash or garbage. This doesn't exist. We only have resources. And we need to use those resources in a sustainable manner, which means circularity. Uh, we don't throw away things. We reuse things. We repurpose them. We recycle them. But we need to uh, really start making intelligent use of our resources because our planet cannot sustain anymore the way we have been producing everything that we produce these days. So those are the three key challenges. Uh, stop using fossil fuels, uh, build a completely circular economy and restore ecosystems. You use very strong words uh, that, I mean, collective suicide. Uh, well, that's a very strong word, and I, I believe it's not only because it's a way of communicating, because it's real. <laughs> and then you mentioned energy, restore ecosystem, and circular economy. Forget trash, we use everything. Um, that's super important. Um, in figures, can you give some example when it comes to these issues, uh, so that we dimension the size of the problem? Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, yes, I, I didn't think about numbers before, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, we are producing around 30,000 million, which is 30 billion tons of CO2 uh, equivalent of greenhouse gases uh, every year. Uh, so that's the amount of CO2 we are putting into the atmosphere. So we need to reduce uh, that amount to net zero. So basically zero by 2050. Uh, this is the, the size of the challenge where we need to avoid putting any more CO2 or other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, zero by 2050. If we don't do that, we are not going to meet the temperature goal of the Paris Agreement. And therefore, most likely our society will collapse after that. And so, yes, the suicide, the collective suicide is a strong uh, statement. And I'm just quoting the UN Secretary General, Mr. Yeah. Antonio Guterres. He is the one who used that, that expression. And, and it's, a, it's a fact. Um, if you see the impacts that we are suffering right now from climate around the world, uh, Europe in the middle of this uh, heat wave, fires all over the world, Australia, the US, Europe, uh, Asia, even in Siberia, and the, the lack of water, right? extreme drought in many areas of the world. This means reduced access to water, reduced production of food. This in turn means there's going to be uh, more uh, societal problems, right? There are, going, there are going to be more tensions in society. There's going to be uh, more poverty and more anger. 
Uh, afterwards, uh, that may explode in violence, in conflict, uh, and finally in, in migration. If you have also sea level rise of half a meter, one meter of sea level rise, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people will need to look for another place to live. And if um, the European Union being one of the richest, most uh, human right respecting in principle uh, regions of the world had a lot of trouble managing 1 million refugees from Syria. Uh, imagine when you have not 1 million refugees looking for another place, but you have tens of millions or hundreds of millions. No one can manage that. that and that's why uh, we face potentially uh, a collapse of our global society. Wow. And you, you mentioned the date 2050. 2050, it's uh, 23, two years. So it's, it's uh, one generation. Uh, so this is now. Uh, it happens now. That's why I mm -hmm. suppose also you call the program Climate Change Now, Climate Neutral climate Now. Neutral now, yes. Yeah. So the program to face that challenge, the program has been launched in 2015. Mm -hmm. How does it work? How does it help making a difference? Mm -hmm. The way we try to help make a difference is we provide guidance and recognition to companies and other types of organizations, entities in general, uh, that uh, estimate their carbon footprints. Right? They calculate how many greenhouse gases their activities are putting in the atmosphere, causing global warming and therefore climate change. Uh, we, so we provide support for that to identify also ways to reduce that footprint, reduce the amount of gases they are generating. And finally, if they want to compensate or contribute to additional climate action to, through the use of credible carbon credits, we give them recognition, so support to do all of that and recognition for doing it. So we have a system where we rank them in gold, silver, bronze, depending on the level of commitment and action that, that they are taking. So hopefully we support them and we encourage them to take action on, on climate in association with the UN name, right? An, an initiative of the United Nations. So you help them understand, measure their, their own situation and contribution to, uh, to emissions. Then you help them reduce, you support, identify how to reduce, you support them on how to do it, and you recognize uh, concrete uh, achievements. That's the goal, oh, yes. Yeah, that's which is fantastic. Uh, it's uh, lot, lots of advocacy, but not only advocacy, you help them act and do concrete things. Uh, can you give us, outside of sport, outside of the world of sport, one, sport, sorry, one or two examples for our audience to understand exactly how it works and mm -hmm. the kind, kind of things they can do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, you have very different types of organizations out there, right? Or we can also talk about ourselves as individuals, what we can do. So there are many different examples, but um, uh, for example, one thing is uh, IT companies. IT companies are some of the most progressive these days, uh, potentially because they have a very, the majority of their emissions come from just one source and it's the use of electricity. And if you think about Google or Microsoft or, uh, these companies that provide mainly IT services, almost all of their emissions come from using enormous amount of energy to run their data centers. So what they are doing, for example, is uh, um, adapting the air conditioning that they need to run those data centers uh, according to the demand 
on, on those data centers. So instead of having the air conditioning on yeah, at the maximum level permanently, it varies depending on uh, the amount of heat that is actually being generated in the data center. And you would think it's something relatively small, but uh, Google has been able to reduce emissions. I don't remember exactly, but around 70% from some of the data centers by managing uh, air conditioning consumption uh, according to heat generated. In, in other examples, uh, you have, uh, for example, the the use of electric vehicles. If you have a significant fleet of cars that you use to distribute or taxi, etc., and you turn it into electric vehicles that are charged with renewable energy, all of those emissions disappear. So you have many companies who are very dependent on transportation doing that. One example is DHL, our neighbors here. They are electrifying all of their fleet or big part of their fleet. They are already working on electric planes uh, to try to also avoid emissions from, from the shipping by air. Uh, so these are some practical examples. They might sound very big. Other smaller examples are change your diet. And this is something that anyone can do. Uh, Forest Green Rovers, which is a soccer okay, team in the UK, yeah. they serve everything vegan. Okay, that maybe is a little bit extreme, you, you may think. But in any case, anyone can change their diet more plant-based. And this has a huge impact on, uh, on climate. So these are some examples of, of practical action, but there could be many more. So that applies basically to any kind of organization. And as you say, to people, uh, to individuals, uh, because everything we do is accountable uh, for what happens in society in general. Um, you, you were mentioning Forest Green River. No doubt it is a great role model on what can be done in sport. Uh, but the thing is that in sports organization in general, uh, you know, in the, globally, uh, there's a lack of knowledge on what can be done. And many people would think, oh, it's going to cost money, for example, building a stadium and making it more sustainable. It's going to cost more. Or operating an infrastructure is going to cost more uh, if it's sustainable. But what is the reality? What can you say about that? Mm -hmm. So I think the uh, this price of options to make your operations more sustainable has changed a lot in the last years. Many technologies and uh, many uh, yeah, many technologies approaches that help you make a stadium or a building or any other uh, uh, any other thing that you manage more sustainable. It has been reduced significantly in the last year. Solar power is the, the best example. Some years ago, it was really expensive to install your own uh, solar panels and, and, and systems. Today, it is, uh, in most cases, the most affordable option. It's even cheaper than buying from, from the grid, especially with the prices that we have these days because of the, uh, of the conflict that has, uh, has sent the prices to, through the roof. Uh, but even before that, solar energy had already become in most countries in the world the cheapest way to generate new energy. So one has to question everything that we, that one learned before about the prices and or the cost of uh, making uh, an additional investment uh, that may be more sustainable because things have, have changed a lot. 
Yeah, that's that's one thing. The other thing is you have to ask yourself what is the consequence of not doing the investment to become more sustainable. And the consequence is you're going to be under more and more pressure from all stakeholders, from governments who are going to start demanding more, from your uh, your investors who are demanding more already, and potentially also in the case of sports from fans and for your wider uh, societal base. They want to see the institutions that they support taking this decisive action. And this will only increase over time. So actually investing today in making your operations more sustainable is an investment into the future. If you don't do it today, you will either be forced to do it tomorrow at probably higher cost, or you will be left out of the race. Uh, we're already seeing among many private companies, they are losing support for investors because they are not seen as doing enough and not being serious enough about climate. And this trend will just continue into the future. And as we continue to suffer more and more the impacts of climate change, people will start demanding more and governments will start demanding more. So the cost of not acting today is that you will have you will be forced to do it tomorrow and probably at a higher cost. So higher cost, if you don't invest now, higher cost in the future, plus doing it now is not more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, eventually less expensive. Uh, and you mentioned also the consumers or the fans' perception. So there's a Deloitte survey in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. 78% of consumers were more likely to remember companies that exhibit a strong purpose. And brands with strong purpose were six times more likely to be protected in the face of negative publicity. Uh, And we see that in sports, there's a stronger influence on sports from the fans on sports organization. We've seen it with the Russian conflict uh, with Ukraine. Uh, you know, decisions have been, have been taken, very strong decisions, very radical decision in such a short time. And if you were not doing it, negative publicity and very quick. So importance of the fans and the consumers in making a positive impact is helping a lot, I would suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, it's not a question. It's more <laughs> you know, some some facts, but uh, I think it's uh, it's it's interesting to 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 see that. Uh, so te- you mentioned also technology. Uh, technology is helping uh, is helping a lot because solar technologies, renewable uh, energies. Um, can you mention a few technologies that can make a big difference that can be used by different organizations? So uh, right now, the, the two main things, or there are three main things that, that we can address directly through technology uh, that come to mind right now. One is uh, the generation of energy, you already said. So looking into options to generate solar, which is very easy to deploy almost in any location. Uh, uh, wind, uh, depending on the availability of space that you have, and of course, also resources. Um And then potentially hydrogen. Hydrogen is also growing fast, especially for transportation. And this takes me to the second point. We have to also invest in changing the way we move ourselves and our goods. So if you can change your fleets, uh, your your vehicles into uh, electric uh, or hydrogen, 
uh, with that hydrogen and that electricity, of course, being generated sustainably in the first place, that's uh, that's um, another piece of technology that can help reduce emissions immediately now. Of course, you you can discuss, we can discuss further about what happens with the batteries, how do you ensure the sustainability of the electric vehicle itself? Yes, uh, of course, that also needs to be addressed. But in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, it's... Um, it's an important piece of technology that we should be trying to deploy as, as fast as possible. And the third one is garbage or waste management. And again, I said that waste, we have to forget about that word. It's just resources. Uh, what we are putting in, in our trash cans is resources. We have to use technology to help us reuse, recycle, repurpose uh, these, um, uh, these resources that currently we are either burning or burying or, or worse plus designing, redesigning, so that we generate less of that in the first place. Uh, these are things that companies can do, and in all of them, there are savings to be made. If you reduce the resources that you are uh, buying, uh, the materials that you're buying, if you can reuse them, it will be cheaper. You will have, um, you will save costs. If you can have a, a renewable energy generated that is cheaper than what you get in the grid, you have savings. If you have uh, electric cars, the same that do not have to use the, the fuels that have these crazy prices today, but are powered by renewable energy, you have savings. So uh, the, again, the reality these days has changed a lot into what is more um, uh, economically attractive. Yeah, and if you think about sports organizations, either clubs or big events, energy is a big part of the budget. Restore the ecosystem to have a lot to do. This circular economy and you know reuse of all the materials Oh, lots of potential. But on what I understand in what you mentioned, the potential is also on the whole chain because it's mm. not about you only. It's about the whole chain from where, where it's coming from, what you buy and what you do after it's, it's been in your own stadium, for example. Mm. Is that yes, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, 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 correct. Uh, especially for sports organizations where there is such a big interaction with others, other suppliers and uh, with uh, the fans, uh, with the local community, local authorities as well. There is an enormous potential and actually uh, almost a need to work together with all of them to make the sports activities uh, more, more sustainable. Uh, but this is also true for any company or any organization, right? We are all dependent on suppliers of goods and services, and we are passing on our own goods and services it may be trash even, <laughs> to someone else to deal with. So we need collaboration across the whole value chain, across the whole of society to really make it uh, sustainable. And for sports, I think there is an enormous uh, communication value. Uh, the, um, but to give you one particular example, the Betis Club in, in Spain, uh, Real Betis, they organized one, one game where all of the plastic bottles that were distributed, uh, that were sold, were uh, recycled and turned into the, uh, the shirts that the team used in following games. Uh, so this was, uh, of course, it, it's a small example. It's a, a, one, a, a small thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. But the power of communication of that example was enormous. Huh? Uh, people really wanted to have one of these recycled bottle uh, jerseys that represented sustainability. Yeah, Coca-Cola has done that for the Olympics for some years, you now using PET to make their uh, workforce during the Olympics having sustainable 
um, closing, for example. Um, yeah, the power of the symbol is and the communication is is very important and useful uh, to make things bigger. Um, what would be? Do you have any other examples in sports that strike you? You say, "Oh, this is great." Mm -hmm. uh, so the, there is a, another colleague who is the expert on <laughs> on yeah, sports. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, um, but uh, we've seen this mentioned... week. Yeah, we've seen this week in when you mentioned the power of com communication. We've seen this week Mercedes Benz Formula One team. Mm -hmm. announcing there will be on sustainable fuel. Ah, mm -hmm. which is, yes, when, is when when you speak about when you hear you speaking about energy gas uh wow uh, if we F1 can make, can make zero emission when it comes to fuel mm -hmm. then then you can believe a lot can do it. Yes, in, in principle, yes. Uh, with the fuels, uh, you have the whole discussion about uh, ensuring that it is really sustainable, right? That they are not going to displace production of food or uh, other uh, items that are more important, maybe that generating fuel. But definitely, if it's done, uh, if it's done well, uh, it's very important. Uh, you have some uh, airlines that are already including uh, an amount of um, uh, biofuel in their mix to for for their airplanes which is you know it's a uh, one of the few ways that you can reduce emissions from aviation these days um but talking about examples in in the sports sector again with the forest green rovers uh, not only the the food that they serve but the whole uh, stadium is powered by renewable energies yeah? the, and the cars that they use are all electric and they build their own chargers and and everything so they really try to make all of the operation of the club as sustainable as possible. Uh, I know that some teams, for example, have also established policies, soccer teams in Spain, uh, to use a um, train to, uh, for, for certain journeys instead of always flying, for example, from southern Spain to Madrid, you take the train instead. Uh, this is a whole change in mindset because, well, the, the players and maybe some of the executives, they, you know, they expect to fly and uh, in, in the chartered, uh, the chartered plane. Uh, now they have to take the train together with everybody else. Uh, but uh, so, so it's a very important example of how a small change in thinking can have a, an enormous benefit for, for environment. Yeah, because it's, uh, actions that are very doable uh, it's not something you can't do it's not so if you're a sports organization you have the united nations or un can help you thanks to climate actions now and yourself uh, so it's easy i mean so people can look on the website climate action now uh, uh what else there's also a spot for uh, a sports specific sports program at the un right Yes. So we have several uh, streams of work to try to support different areas of, of society in uh, acting on climate. Of course, the resources are always limited. So there's only so much that, that we can do at any one time. But yes, in addition to Climate Neutral Now, which is an initiative open to any kind of organization or entity to participate, there are specific collaborations with the sports sector. It's called Sports for Climate Action with fashion or garment industry, the fashion charter for climate action, and with the events industry. It's the Net Zero Carbon Events uh, Initiative. 
Um, these are three industry-specific collaborations that we have in place. So for sports, yes, uh, there is one. It's, um, let's say, complementary to Climate Neutral Now. Climate Neutral Now is about what you can do yourself at home to address your emissions, while Sports for Climate Action looks at that, but also the collaboration across different players in the sports world. Hmm, interesting. Um, and when we, we speak about sport, obviously we speak about sports organization, we speak about brands, we speak of also sponsors like Coca-Cola using PET uh, to, to, to make clothing, for example. It's a small example, they so do a lot more things. Uh, we speak about media that have challenges as well because they, you know, we've seen the cloud, for example, the cloud technology uh, being used not to fly, uh, also to reduce cost, but uh, uh, also one of the consequences is that you don't have to fly all the teams uh, to the Olympics because there's cloud production helping you to use it. And so it has a big impact. And but there's also athletes and fans. Athletes, when you see a Messi that has today 340 million followers, followers. Uh, Cristiano on Instagram, Cristiano Ronaldo 466, how can athletes embrace what would you recommend and what have you seen that is relevant? Okay. All of the personalities or influencers, uh, uh, they have a big responsibility, right? The, the, more, uh, the more attention you have on yourself, the more responsibility that, that means, right? You, should, you, you are becoming an example to everybody else and especially to younger generations that look up to you. So... Uh, Ideally, these these personalities, uh, first of all, should realize the, uh, that they have a responsibility thanks to the to the success that that they have achieved, and then use that uh, that success and that attention on a, a constructive manner. Uh, we see many of them uh, doing it. Uh, uh, what what is the recommendation? Uh, I mean, the, there there are several things that you could do. The UN itself has an ambassador system where personalities like this, including from the sports sector, as you mentioned, uh, can become a spokesperson for activities uh, supported by the UN. It can be on climate, it can be on sustainability in general, it can be human rights, it can be any number of issues that, that the UN supports. And the UN, in that sense, provides messaging, provides background so that the, the persons can act as, as, as ambassadors. But then this is just one, one way to go. It's not necessary to engage directly with the UN. Simply, if they can help us raise awareness through their behavior and through their um, communications about the importance of acting on climate, on human rights, it, it's, um, it, it's an enormous contribution, uh, definitely. Yeah, and it's not a matter of preaching also, right? It's not about preaching to others, you should be doing this or that. It's more sharing what they themselves are doing, uh, sharing by example uh, what, what anyone could do. Um, Sometimes we find that some of them are a little bit hesitant because, because of the level of, of living that they have. Uh, they, in principle, are not very sustainable, right? They fly all over the place in private jets and they, yeah, they have a high purchasing power. Therefore, they tend to, per to consume a lot of resources. Uh, but again, uh, small changes in their behavior can have a, a big impact and be a very big example to, to others. So, yes, uh, this initial thoughts about that. Yeah, because we can't forget the global target, which is a must and not uh, an option, which is zero emission 
by 2050. Mm -hmm. So it's fantastic when you preach by example, when you show by example, as you mentioned, in a better way, uh, for people to do something and lower, because at the end, it's not only lowering that is a goal, it's zero. So it's mm -hmm. uh, it's quite demanding. It is, it is. And remember, uh, however, that this is a collective effort. Right? Uh, you were talking about collaboration across your value chain, you know, with your, with your partners. Uh, so the onus of achieving net zero emissions by 2050 is not on each one of us individually or as an organization. This is a, a global effort and it will only be achieved through collaboration globally. So people should not get, first of all, discouraged because of the size of the challenge, right? Because uh, when people understand what we really need to do, they say, oh no, <laughs> this is impossible. We're toast. No, it's it's not like that. Eh? Uh, just a few years ago, people didn't think electric cars had a role to play. Just a, a few years ago, people thought solar energy was too expensive to ever be part of the solution. Just a few years ago, I could go on. Uh, right and and things have changed and they have changed really fast if we now become aware more and more aware thanks to the help of sports organizations and sports stars and others if people become more and more aware of what needs to be done and the urgency of doing it and we all start doing a little bit of effort in our personal lives and in our companies and organizations to move in that direction the change can happen really fast and this is the the main message to uh, you know, to those who could be uh, listening to us, uh, it's uh, do not get discouraged because of the size of the challenge. Uh, the challenge is also the biggest opportunity that we have ever had to build the world that we say we want. We say that we want a world when, uh, where everyone has opportunities, where no one is hungry, where everyone gets education, etc. Well, the kind of changes that we need to do to face climate change put us in that direction, squarely in that direction. So the challenge is big, but the potential benefit of succeeding in this is also enormous. And, and again, if thinking only from a business perspective, there's also no option. If our society collapses, you have no business. Right? There, you need a, an operational, a healthy society in order to have a business that makes profit. Society collapses, there's no more business. So from the point of view of uh, for-profit organizations, there is also a clear business rationale to engage in sustainability, and it is ensuring business continuity. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Neil Duffy, was is always telling me, doing good is doing business. Mm. <laughs> And I find it so, nice. so relevant uh, in a way, in a mindset when you're an entrepreneur, you lead a company, doing good can actually help you do more business. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is very much uh, positive on a, a virtual circle instead of becoming a, a vicious circle. So, Indeed. so yourself, I mean, you've been advocating for climate change for some years now. Uh, tell me about one or two moments where you said, oh, this is tough. And, but you've been purely recharged by, by something happening. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, this is uh, happens more more often than than you would imagine, right? Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you say, "Yes, we're going to do this. We can do this." And other days you wake up and you say, "Oh, I'm not so sure today." <laughs> uh, so no, uh, you have these uh, ups and downs. Uh, but one of those moments where I I really got a recharge in, in energy was the adoption of the Paris Agreement. Uh, mm. See the the agreement having uh, approximately 199 national governments in the world all agree to what the Paris Agreement contains was a, a big push, uh, right? A, a big uh, load of optimism because just a few years before it was impossible. Uh, just a few years before 2015, no one could imagine that you could have achieved the, the Paris Agreement with universal agreement by all national governments in the world. So when it was approved and later on ratified, it's uh, you know it's basically something impossible happened. Wow. So it was a yeah very yeah, nice moment. That's where we uh, we see the power of collaborations and uh, collective decisions is important. What about the follow up? Has it been well followed up by, I mean, key countries? Well, uh, the, the the jury is out on that one still, right? As they say, uh, we still cannot answer that question because we are in the middle of implementation of the Paris Agreement. What I can tell you is that uh, governments remain fully committed to it. You see it in uh, the intensity of the conversations about how to uh, reach the the, the, uh, the or how to implement the agreements that they have already made, how to reach the targets. Um, you see it in the uh, continuing improvement of policies that governments have in their own home countries. Uh, so there, the, the commitment to the, uh, the Paris Agreement remains strong. And I would say every year is stronger. Even now with the conflict uh, in, between Ukraine and Russia, uh, governments have not forgotten that we have an even bigger problem right behind that, which is climate change, and continue to address it in every high-level meeting that there is. Um, so uh, I cannot tell you yet if governments will uh, you know, succeed in implementing the Paris Agreement. I trust they will. But I can tell you that they remain fully committed and working constantly on, on it. Yeah, and we've seen the last couple of years in the sports movement, massive increase of initiatives towards uh, climate change. Uh, Paris Olympics is a fantastic example. Tokyo was one. Uh, big events, leagues, clubs. I mean, as you said, if you're not doing it, you're going to be behind just because the fans they want you to commit. Um, so if people want to get into, so people listening to us, which is a mix of different sports stakeholders, want to get in touch and know more, where should they be informed? Where should they go? See, maybe the easiest, uh, most uh, direct way to start getting information and to get in touch with, with us uh, would be through our webpage. You can look for Climate Neutral Now in the case of this initiative. You can look for Sports for Climate Action and we have our contact details there. Um, uh, and through, through those two, you can definitely uh, reach out to us. Hmm, that's great. I invite you all to do it. <laughs> uh, before we close these conversations, and uh, 
will give follow-ups through SIS uh, to different initiatives being implemented because we need to advocate as well as SIS. Um, before we close that conversation, a quick series of questions. Uh, mm -hmm. You might find them a bit random sometimes. <laughs> so first, <laughs> let's... Ready? Go so, ahead. Who's your favorite athlete? Huh. Um, I would think uh, maybe Carl Lewis. I, I really loved his uh, his energy and his uh, positive attitude all the time. You know what? We had Carl Lewis in a conference with the top 300 Mexican athletes. He was challenging them like never. You have a dream. Mm -hmm. Write it down. Put it on the wall in front of your bed. Wake up every day looking at it. He was fantastic. I agree. Carl Lewis, favorite, mm -hmm. your favorite sport event? Uh, sport event. Um, uh, maybe, you know, the Champions League uh, games at Leverkusen. It's where I have been uh, to see uh, Champions League games because it's really close to here, to Bonn, where we are located. And it, Leverkusen has a very family-oriented uh, atmosphere in the stadium. You really see the the grandparents with the grandchildren and everything in between uh, in a very nice, positive uh, environment. And those games are always, you know, full of, of fun and uh, a nice atmosphere. Love it. Um, <laughs> what turns you off? What pisses you off? You know. Um, well, to be very honest, you know, nobody's perfect. One of the things that uh, really uh, turn, turns me away or, or uh, really <laughs> uh, I, I reject is uh, uh, the, the lack of understanding or the lack of will, not the lack of understanding, the lack of will to engage rationally with science. Uh, when you come up with someone who tells you, you know, Climate change is not happening because it's impossible that someone knows how the weather has changed in the last 10,000 years or whatever. And they are not even willing to listen or to educate a little bit themselves about the science behind it. They are just blocked. This, unfortunately, I, I, yeah, I cannot deal with. I just say, thank you very much. I hope <laughs> you're right. And there's no climate change and I'm wrong because then we have no problem. And then I can turn around and leave. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on on the opposite see um, I think the the optimistic uh, people that are optimistic as I told you I myself sometimes wake up and I'm like yes we're going to do this and other days I wake up and I say hmm I'm not so sure uh, I love when I meet people that are convinced and consistently convinced that things are going to get done and don't doubt like I sometimes I do. And this includes, for example, our previous executive secretary, Christiana Frigueres, right? The optimistic to death uh, or my previous supervisor here in the, in the secretariat, Niklas Svenningsen. Uh, they are positive people, optimistic people that you cannot convince, you know, that we are not going to get through this. So yeah, listening to them and engaging with them is the opposite, right? It fills you with, with energy and desire to continue. The energy is kind of contagious. Yes. <laughs> Your favorite word? My favorite word? Yeah. Huh. <sighs> hmm. Yeah. Uh, I never got that question before, but it, it should be something around synergy uh, or system collaboration. 
uh, this idea that uh, we are all part of a bigger whole uh, that needs to work in a certain uh, in a certain way in a and the correct way in order to to be healthy, uh, right? In order to be healthy, and that you are a part that contributes to to that whole. So, yeah, this kind of system or um, a holistic. Uh, so a word like this uh, would be my my favorite. <laughs> no, fantastic. One piece of advice you have received that influenced you your life, uh, you would love to share. Hmm. Um, well, um, maybe uh, one of my first bosses told me. Um, <laughs> he told me it's not so important what you know. Is more important who you know, and one of the things that 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 means is uh, the way to to find to build real collaborations and to find solutions is to build these personal relationships, right? To build good working relationships with the people around you. You might be an expert on whatever it is that if you don't know how to communicate it or if you're not able to work together with someone else, it's useless, right? Uh, who cares? You're a genius. You cannot work with someone else. That genius is, is, is going to waste. Is the, is the ability to build networks, to build relationships that really allows you to do your work? And this is uh, some of the things that in the end brought me to the UN, I think, because the UN, we are not really out there like you, Uh, implementing action on on the stadium or on the transport uh, provider or whatever we're sitting in an office and talking to government officials and to others uh, trying to you know uh, agree on doing stuff but we don't actually do the stuff well not not everything uh, not everything so um, but what we can do definitely is build these networks build these connections uh, and try to provide support to to those networks that exist um so yeah that um, that initial advice it's more important who you know <laughs> i remember nice one what is being it's a bit linked to that question what is being a great leader for you what is your vision of what means a great leader uh-huh same uh, this i guess it's also a very personal response but for me a great leader is a person that can uh, can build a vision for a common goal and communicate it very well and then make sure that the people in their team have the resources to uh, make sure that that goal is reached. Right? If you have a leader that speaks very nicely or has a wonderful vision but doesn't empower their team, uh, what's the value? Or if you have someone who is very good at whatever, mobilizing resources or building networks, but is incapable of uh, telling you what the real vision is, what the final goal is, it's also useless. So a real, a real leader has the vision, is able to communicate it very clearly, and then empowers the team to uh, get there. It doesn't maintain all the credit for his or herself, him or herself, but, uh, but empowers the whole team to get there together. Mm. One example? Hmm. Um, yes, here I should say my bosses, right? Because otherwise I'm going to get fired tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, uh, I think um, uh, Cristiana Figueres as a, as a leader was very good. Um, she had that, that power to build a vision, communicate it, and then try to help people uh, get there. Uh, so in 
then I had another boss in the private sector, uh, my first uh, director in, in CEMEX. Uh, he was also a, a person that was, um, uh, that was like this. I, I'm forgetting his name right now, but yes, my first boss in the private sector. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, what does it mean to you being happy? Being happy, um, I think it means not wanting anything else that I have in the in the moment, and knowing that uh, people around me, people that I care for, in particular, you know, family, is is doing well. You know, that's yeah, Very that's Buddhist. happiness. <laughs> Very Buddhist way of thinking. Beautiful. Um, one last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God saying when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh-huh, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, you know, my, I'm an atheist, to be honest. So if I realize that I arrive in heaven and God <laughs> is waiting for me, I would love him or her or it to say, um, to say, forget about the rules, forget about everything that you have heard about me. Uh, you, you are free here to be who you are, uh, like everybody else. And that's it. <laughs> wow. Do you think we're restricted? Oh, well, that's a long debate. I won't go into that long debate, <laughs> but a beautiful answer. Well, thank you so much, Miga, for your time and sharing with our Seasmasters audience. Uh, clearly, uh, what you do, even if you say that it's uh, a lot of uh, office work and building relations and it's not a, sometimes as concrete because uh, you're not doers eventually, but without good policies and understanding of the issues and ways to solve them, we couldn't act. So, I mean, what you guys do at United Nations on this topic as well as others is so useful. Uh, so congrats for, you know, being patient and being persistent in, in doing what you do. Um, um, best for this what's coming also best and we stay in touch let us know all that is important that is worth knowing so we'll be happy to share uh, with us as SIS audience thank you thank you same here feel free to reach out whenever we can help with anything Miguel have a good day end of the day in Europe <laughs> thank you <laughs> you too bye bye Thank you all for listening to a new SIS Masters podcast. We'd love you to subscribe. Please leave a review or rate the podcast. It will help us improve. We'd love to see you in the next episode. Enjoy. Enjoy.